Bobby. I am one of the pastors here at the Ridge, and we're so glad you're with us today. I know a lot of you are here to see uh, see your kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and all of that, your brothers and sisters uh, sing, and you're going to see that here in just a little bit. And so we're so glad that you're you're here for that. And whatever reason that you're here, uh, we're just glad that you're here because you could have been a lot of other places. So uh, we're going to jump into our message here in just a moment. We've been uh, going in the last several weeks. We've been talking about Advent and when the significance of that and what it should mean to us as, as followers of Christ or, or even just people who are just interested in who Jesus is and, and why he came. And, and maybe uh, if, even if you're just here and, and you're just curious as to, you know, is there something more with Christmas? Is there just a little bit uh, of something else going on that maybe you've not noticed before? And it's our hope and prayer that, that this Christmas will be different from any other Christmas that you've ever experienced in your life, that this Christmas uh, will actually be a Christmas that um, won't be one that's just kind of the thing that you just do every year, but it'll actually be something of significance for you, something that that brings with it something new and, and fresh. And so uh, this coming Wednesday night, uh, since you're all in here, just want to invite everyone and just a reminder, this coming Wednesday night, we have our Christmas Eve Eve service here at the Grove Theater in Oak Ridge. Yeah. Excited about that. It's, it's going to be absolutely amazing. We can't wait. It's going to be just uh, incredible. There's going to be some hot drinks, hot cocoa, hot cider, cookies. Um, somebody told me that Santa Claus may be coming, and to that I say, are you serious, Clark? Like, really? I mean, <laughs> I, I had to do it. I, 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 had, I had, had to do it. So, uh, but yeah, um, we'll, we're just going to put this right back from where it came from right here. Um, <laughs> I want to distract anybody with that. So, uh, so he's going to be there. There's going to be uh, Christmas. Did you guys enjoy the Christmas music this morning? Was it good? It was good stuff. There's going to be going to be more of that, and uh, just uh, you know uh, what uh, we've been hoping and praying will just be a, a very timely message for all of us at, at this Christmas season. So that's Wednesday night, the 23rd. Uh, this coming Wednesday night at the Grove Theater here in Oak Ridge. That's over at 123 Randolph Road, and uh, things get started at seven o'clock. So we hope that you'll come out for that. It's going to be an absolute amazing time. So uh, let me ask you a question: How many of you? do Christmas lights outside of your house? Like you put up Christmas lights outside of your house. Okay, a few of you, not, not many. There were like three people in the first service that said that they do that. Uh, so there's a few more of you that, that say that you do that. I don't do Christmas lights uh, outside of my house. But, and here's why. If I did Christmas lights outside of my house, it would not go well. Like, uh, because here's the thing. I would either get so frustrated with it that it would, it would just be like this abyss of black hole Christmas non-spirit. Like, it would be like, you know, Scrooge on my roof or something. You know, it would just not be, it would not be good. I'd get that frustrated with it. Or I would have to do it so well that I would just have to go absolutely all out. And so I, I looked up a little bit and checked out a couple of pictures that I wanted to show you of some people that, that tried to get into the Christmas spirit and, and do a little Christmas lights outside of their house. <laughs> and so the frustrated me would do this, right? Like, you know, I would just be like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm out, right? So you got that, you got that guy. Then you got this guy. <laughs> I mean, really, because are you going to compete with that? You know, you just be like, you know what? What he did, right? And then you got this one. Yeah. 
that's the, uh, that's the uh, you know what, everything's going right and I'm going all out for this thing. That would be the me right there. Like it would, it would be bad and, and I would have to be um, kicked out of the house, I'm sure. But you ha- then you have this guy who tried to put peace on his roof and misspelled it, P-E-A-S-E instead of C-E there. <laughs> you know, and the kids are like, oh, come on, Dad, you had one job, man, seriously. And so this would be the me right here. This is, if I did Christmas lights outside of my house, it would be that whole thing where it's just like, you know, you throw it together. And then all of a sudden, when it comes together, you get the Griswold family Christmas house right there. And that would, uh, that's, I mean, that's what I would want to do. Because, like, if you're going to do this thing, like, do it right. You know what I mean? Like, make the power grid go out, you know, electric bill go up. I mean, if you're going to do it, you just got to do it. And so I, I think for, you know, when I think about Christmas and, and when you think about Christmas, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on a, around Christmas time. And I don't know what, what your Christmases in the past have been like. I don't know what your Christmas uh, present is like. But I do know this. I do know this, that Christmas sometimes can get really messy, can it? It can just get messy. I mean, you've got so much going on around Christmas. You've got so much going on in the season. I mean, it, it just can, can just very easily get away from us and, and get messy. I mean, you get, you, know, you get to December the 26th and you realize now you've got a messy budget, right? You ate too much, you ate too many sweets, now you got a messy waistline too, right? So you, you, you get that, you get a messy budget, messy waistline, but Christmas brings with it some other things that are messy, right? Messy relationships. You, know, you get to hang out with those people that you've avoided 364 days of the year, right? You get to see them that one day of the year, and you're so excited about it, right? And you get those messy relationships. You get, you get messy emotions at Christmas sometimes, don't we? I mean, I, I think that, that when it comes to Christmas time and when we think about Christmas, there, there's a lot of things that, that tend to make Christmas messy for us. But here's what I love about the story of Christmas, about the reason that we celebrate Christmas, about the reason why we are even gathered here today, is that Jesus came and he stepped into the mess to rescue us from the mess. Jesus came and he stepped into the mess and he has rescued us from the mess and he offers us rescue from the mess. I love what um, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 9. Hundreds of years before Jesus has arrived, hundreds of years before the Messiah has come, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 9 too, he, he said this, he said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who have walked in darkness. You could take that word darkness and you could substitute it and you could put mess right there in darkness because that's really what it means. The people who have walked in a mess have seen a great light. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard to, to navigate around my house when it's dark. And I've got young kids who have Legos, and that's dangerous. You know, anybody, anybody feel me on that? Like, yeah, you, you feel like that you've needed to have a toe amputated when you step on one of those things in the middle of the night, right? And, and so it can, get, it can get crazy, it can get really hard. And so, I mean, if you think about just for a second trying to navigate even in your own house or anywhere outside, it, it, I mean, it's, it's hard to walk in darkness. And Isaiah the prophet, thinking about the coming of Jesus, who has yet to arrive when he, when he writes this, knowing that a Savior is coming, 
Isaiah says, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, in deep mess. Anybody ever feel like they've been in a deep mess? It says, On them a light has shone. Because doesn't it change everything when you're walking in darkness and all of a sudden you get light? Like, doesn't it change everything? Like, the, the light changes everything. And the arrival of Jesus, the coming of the Savior, changed everything. Listen, hear me when I say this, for everyone. For everyone. And that's actually what we're going to look at here today in the Christmas story. In fact, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. We'll have a scripture on the screen back here behind me. In fact, uh, Mindy just read this scripture just a few moments ago. And, and so we're going to look at, at Luke chapter 2 and particularly the story of how the angels came and announced the coming or the arrival of Jesus to the shepherds. To the shepherds, which is really one of my most favorite parts of the whole Christmas story. And so at this point, what, what has taken place is that um, hundreds and hundreds of years before the arrival of Jesus, these prophets, these people who would listen to the voice of God and then speak what they uh, felt God saying to them, these were prophets. And so they had written about and spoke of the coming of a Savior, the arrival of Jesus or the Messiah. And they had done this for hundreds of years. But when we get to the end in, in your Bible, at the end of the Old Testament is a book called Malachi. And at the end of the book of, of Malachi, what happens is, is God actually stops speaking. He goes silent for 400 years. And so up to this point, all people had heard was that there is a Savior coming. There is a Messiah coming. There is a Jesus who will save us from our sins. He is coming. God kept saying that over and over and over and over again. Just hold on, hold on. Salvation is coming. And then God goes silent for 400 years. 400 years. And then, all of a sudden, he erupts and breaks apart the silence of a night. And he erupts and he speaks. We'll, we'll look at that here in just a second. And so Jesus is coming and all of the people in the land, all the people in the area now are going back to their hometowns. They're all going back to the places that they uh, were born because there's a census taking place. And so everybody has to be counted. And so now they're all going back to the towns that they came from. And so Mary and Joseph, Mary the, the mother of Jesus, Jesus, and Joseph, the man that she is engaged to, right? They're, they're going back to the place that they... Um, were from so that they could be counted in the census. And along the way, Jesus is born. And so in Luke chapter 2, we see this announcement. These angels show up and they break this 400-year silence and they come to these shepherds. And it's really significant that they show up to the shepherds. So let's take a look at this. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Now, think about this for a second. You have to put yourself into uh, the place of these shepherds. So these shepherds, they, they spent a majority of their time out in the fields. Day, night, it didn't matter, hot, cold, rain, whatever, it didn't matter. They, they stayed out in the fields because they had to watch over their sheep. They had to watch over their, their flocks. And so being out there, I mean, they, they rarely encountered other people, 
right? And so they're out there. It's night. It's quiet. You can kind of hear the, the breeze. You can hear the, the rustle of the, of the trees and, and, and the dirt scattering around when the wind would blow and maybe the, the rustle of the sheep. And so you don't really hear much, but then all of a sudden, this light appears, right? And this is way before Edison, right? So like th- these, these aren't light bulbs. These aren't headlights. Like this is weird. And it says that they were filled with fear. And to that, I say, you think, like, I think we would all be like, I don't know if you've ever spent any time out in the woods by yourself where it's nice and quiet. And then all of a sudden you get startled. Like it's scary, right? You just kind of jump a little bit. And that's, that's what's happening with the shepherds. And it's the angel of the Lord showing up to them. So if you think about the shepherds too for a second, here's something else interesting about the shepherds. Like being a shepherd was a it was a bad job. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't a good job. Like being a shepherd wasn't the job that you shot for. It's just the job that you ended up with, right? Like nobody set out to be shepherds. Because think about what a shepherd did. I mean, again, they stayed out in the fields. They stayed outside most of the time. They ne- hardly ever went into town. They stayed with their sheep. They slept there with the sheep, right? They protected them. They watched over them from predators, all of these things. But not only that, shepherds, um, they were considered to be a lower class of people. In fact, the shepherds, it, when and if they did come into the town, people would get out of their way. They didn't want to hang out with them. They didn't want to touch them. They didn't want to be around them. They weren't even allowed to go into the temple to pray. And so the shepherds themselves, when people saw and thought of shepherds, they were, they were, just, a lo- they con- they were just considered a, a lower class of people. And on top of it, they just had a bad job. I mean, have you ever had a bad job? Anybody in here ever had a, had a bad job? Like, they, they had a bad job, right? And then on top of that, they just they weren't liked. People didn't like the shepherds. But it's interesting that the angel shows up to the shepherds first. The angels appearing to the shepherds first, it, it was a really big deal. The angel is showing up to nobodies and, listen, declares them to be somebodies. Christmas reminds us that Jesus is not just for the somebodies of the world, but that Jesus and salvation is for everybody. And so the angel shows up and it says that they were filled with fear. Look at verse 10. It says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's really important. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That word Savior would have been really, really important to them. Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so the message of salvation was personal, and it was good news of great joy to them. You see, these shepherds, they were just on the job, you know? It would have been like Tuesday night working second or third shift, right? I mean, they were, they were just out doing their job. They were just out doing their thing, and then all of a sudden this angel shows up and interrupts their work day, right? Interrupts their, their shift, and this angel shows up and, and sort of steps into their regular, everyday lives. And the lives of the shepherds, it was not really unlike most of our lives. Kind of messy in some ways. 
And if we're all honest with ourselves, we can and we think about our own life and even current circumstances right now. It's sometimes it's, it's for some of us it's just messy. And the angel shows up and interrupts and steps in and intervenes into their own mess and gives them this news of great joy. And I, I love I love what what happens next as we'll see in the story but as we look at this i want to give us two things two things that that we can do two two things that we should do this christmas season and again i i don't know what your christmas has been like so far i don't know if you're dreading the next couple of days i don't know if you're excited about the next couple of days but here's here's what i do know god stepped in and messed up the first christmas for the shepherds in the best way possible. And you may not like me for saying this, but I've already done it and you can't do anything about it, but I've been praying that God messes up your Christmas too. Like, don't do that. I already did it. It's too late. Been praying for you for a long time. I don't even, some of you don't know me and I don't even know you, but I've been praying for you. That God would mess up your Christmas in the best possible way. That this Christmas will be different from any other Christmas that you've ever experienced. That you will experience Jesus in a way that you never have before. Because some of you came in here and your Christmases every year are messed up in some way. And you dread it regardless. But others of you, you came in here and you know Jesus as your Savior, but it's just been so familiar to you that you've just kind of gone through the motions and it's not like Christmas anymore. It's kind of like just another day. Others of you, you've come in here and you've kind of just seen Jesus from a distance and it's kind of that thing that, you know, somebody else did but it wasn't really for you. Maybe this Christmas it becomes part of you. So let's look at the second part of this story here. There are two things that I want us to do. The first thing that we have to do is we have to receive the good news. Like the shepherds, we have to receive the good news because the mess of Christmas can really distort things for us sometimes. It's easy for us to, to sort of lose focus when we're in the mess, but the good news is that Jesus entered directly into that mess. And no matter how distorted it can get, it's good to come back to the simple yet powerful news that Christmas is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. There are so many fun things around Christmas. I love all the fun things around Christmas. I love the food. I love the music. I love... You know, I even love going to Dollywood and being like a tourist. Like, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, so many fun things around Christmas. But even those things, even the fun things can cause us to lose focus of Jesus during this season. And so we receive the good news, but no matter how distorted it can get, we come back to the simple yet powerful news that Christmas is all about Jesus. Matthew one twenty one says it this way. Look at this scripture. It says, this. It says, she will bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So regardless of what we make Christmas about, we have to come down to this simple yet powerful fact that that right there, that Jesus will save us from our sins, that is what Christmas is about. That is what we celebrate Christmas for. And that is the good news that we have to receive. The good news is that no matter how messy it gets, that Jesus entered into that mess with us and for us, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, was resurrected three days later to save us from the mess. The writer of John, whose name happens to be John, imagine that, um, he writes this in John chapter 1, 
says it like this. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that because you know what that says? It says that the light shines in the mess and there is no mess that's going to overcome it. Not your mess, not my mess. No matter how bad the mess gets, it will not overcome it. And then verse 14, it says, Then the Word became flesh, meaning Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, meaning that, that God himself left the comforts of heaven and entered into the mess, meaning that he became man. He put on flesh and lived amongst us, dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that's the good news of great joy that we celebrate. And the shepherds, they received this news with joy. And so we first, we have to receive this news. We have to receive this news. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to respond to it. One way or the other, whether we respond in joy, whether we respond in worship, or whether we respond by turning our heads and walking away, we have to respond. We have to respond to it. In fact, if you think about it, the shepherds, their response was amazing because of who they were, because of what happened. Their response was amazing. Look at what happens right here as the shepherds respond. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go have a hamburger, hang out for a while, then we'll go see Jesus. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> no, it says, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And it, listen, it says, And they went with haste. They went with haste. How many of you like to wait on things? Anybody? Anybody like to wait on things? Okay, a few of us. All right. It's all right. Most of our culture, we hate waiting on things, don't we? Like, we, we live in a microwave culture, don't we? Like, we want things now, and we want it. I mean, we just want it. Like, we don't want to wait on things. I mean, I'm not going to make you raise your hands because it would, like, every hand in here would go up. Because if you've ever waited in line at a fast food joint for longer than, like, two minutes and pulled out because you're like, I ain't waiting this long, right? And you're just, like, out of there. Like, it's happened, right? Like, we've kind of all done that, you know, waiting on some Starbucks, you know. And we're just like, I ain't waiting in this line. I'm out of here, Right? going down to Dunkin' Donuts. And so, like, we just, because there's never any lines down there. I'm just, but, like, <laughs> I love Dunkin' Donuts, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, give me some Dunkin' D, you know, that dark roast. It's great. So, anyway, like, but, like, I mean, we, we don't like to wait on things. We, we hate waiting on things. I, I looked up. I, I was checking out. I wanted to see, like, what were some of the, like, the longest wait times, like, in um, in our country, you know, for certain things. And so I was looking a couple of things up and checking it out. And um, there is a restaurant in New York City that has a 10-year wait list. It ain't that good. It can't be that good. <laughs> like 10 years, right? It's like, hey, uh, we'll call you in, in about nine and a half years and let you know that 
you're coming up in six months, so get ready, right? So like that would be that would be nuts. Ten years, you know, to wait for wait wait for that. That's that's kind of crazy. Um, there is a, a company uh, the, uh, that makes a hoodie that is apparently so amazing. Anybody like hoodies? I love hoodies. If you're looking to get me a Christmas gift, there, here it is. And so like like hoodies, like this hoodie that is so amazing that there is a five month wait period for this hoodie, right? It's uh, ap- you know it's supposed to be like this soft soft material. It's supposed to be this great hoodie, right? Um, anybody Green Bay Packer fans in the house? Okay, all right, a couple of you. Um, I have sad news, you're never getting season tickets, okay, because um, the wait list for season tickets for the Packers is anywhere from 30 years to 100 years, right? So if you're at the bottom of that list, like, forget about it, like, just quit, because it's not happening, right? You're not, you're not making it that far. And so, like, that's, I mean, that's nothing. So, like, we, we hate waiting on things. And so that's why I love how the shepherds, it says that they went with haste. They didn't wait to go and see Jesus. They responded in the only way that we should respond when the Savior of the world shows up. They ran. Think about this for a second. 400 years, God had been silent. He hasn't spoken a word. He hasn't said anything. And then all of a sudden, without anybody even thinking that it would be possible that this would happen. In the middle of the night, a great light shows up and says, Hey, I know it's been a while. I know you've been waiting. But the mess is over. Jesus is here. The silence is broken. Jesus has come. And so you can imagine how the shepherds must have felt. And so they didn't want to wait, and they ran to see Jesus with haste. You see, people in the first century, they didn't run for anything. (laughs) Like, they just didn't run, but they ran, they didn't care. Now, a lot of us, we're running at Christmas, aren't we? But a lot of us are running to all of the things that take our joy and not to the things that fill us with joy. We're running at Christmas. But what are, we, what are we running to? And there's shopping. If you're not done with your shopping, you're about to run, right? <laughs> Get your running shoes on. You're about to do some running. Like, if you've not finished yet, the finish line is getting close. All right, there's, there's family to see. There's relatives to see. There's choir concerts to go to. There's band concerts to go to. There's this Christmas Eve Eve thing to go to on the 23rd at 7 o'clock. I mean, there's, like, there's that, right? You had to run and maybe even to, to get here this morning to, to see your, your, your uh, relative kid, sister, brother, daughter, granddaughter, grandson, you know, see them sing this morning, right? And so there's all of these things. There's Christmas parties, office parties. All, so we're running at these things. But are we running to the things that really fill us with the, with the joy of Christmas? Not things that make us happy for a moment, but I'm talking about things that fill us with joy. And I'm just here to tell you, like, the only thing that will ever fill us with joy is Jesus. Because I've tried those other things, and they don't work. They don't work. But Jesus will fill us with joy. And so we're running at Christmas, but what are we, what are we running to? Sometimes Christmas can, can seem to be more work than filled with joy, but, but think about this. What if we ran to Jesus first? What if, what if, what if instead of seeking out the perfect Christmas, 
we sought out the perfect Savior. Because we want our Christmas to be perfect, don't we? We want to wake up in the morning. We want our kids to be in a good mood. We don't have to drag them out of bed, right? We don't want them to come and wake us up either. Like, I mean, we, we want to be the ones to instigate that whole thing, right? We want them to love the gifts that, you know, we fought so hard to be able to get, that we worked so hard to be able to pay for, right? Like, we want our Christmases to be perfect, but instead of trying to seek out the perfect Christmas, what if we sought the perfect Savior? Instead of focusing on that, we, fo- we focus on the perfect Savior instead. I think we would find that joy that we've been seeking and our response would be much, much different. Our response would be like the one of the shepherds. You see, the shepherds, they were running to rescue. A Savior has been born. A Savior has been born already. We've gone past the not yet. We are in the already. A Savior has been born to rescue us from the mess. Jesus stepped into the mess to rescue us from the mess. And the shepherds, when they heard the news, that I love that they, that I love that they didn't tell the angels to wait. You know what else I love about the shepherds? Considering who they were, considering their messiness, consider, considering uh, all the mess that they had in their own lives. You know what else they didn't do? They didn't tell the angels to wait so that they could go and take a shower, to take a bath, to get cleaned up. They didn't tell the, the angels to, to hold on just a second. You know, I, I can't go see the Savior of the world with my life the way that it is. Like, it's messy. It's jacked up. It's busted up. I got to get some stuff fixed before I go stand in front of the creator of the universe. Like, I don't want to go in there all busted up the way that my life is. And they didn't wait. And the God of the universe knew exactly who he appeared to first because a Savior had been born to Hear me, all people, all people. So they didn't wait. It's good news to all people, not just the middle class, life mostly together crowd, but to all people. It's to the the jacked up, the messed up, the bad job, having no money in the bank account, racked up and stacked up debt, having divorced, single, no family, skeptical, everybody. The shepherds knew that rescue had come and they responded the only proper way that we should to someone who would give up their own life to rescue us with undignified worship and response. So we received the good news And then we choose how we respond to the good news. The angels coming to the shepherds is a reminder to me that I needed a Savior. Because I'm the messed up. I'm the jacked up. I'm the busted up. And I need a Savior. But I didn't need just any Savior. I didn't need a Savior. I needed Jesus. And I need Jesus. As we take a few moments to consider these things this morning, we, um, we, have, we have communion available here at, on both of these tables here at the front of the stage. And communion is a way for us to, uh, to respond in a way. Communion is a way for us to, to take a moment and to, to consider 
all that Jesus has done for us. You have, um, you have these broken pieces of bread here. And, and each one of these broken pieces of bread represents the broken body of Christ. And then there's, there's juice, and we, we take this broken piece of bread, and we, we dip it in the juice, and, and then we, can, we, we eat it. And the juice is the, the symbolic blood of Christ. And so when we take communion, we, we take a, a step back for a moment, and we consider these things. We consider all that Christ has done for us. And for those of you that attend Rich Church on a regular basis, you know that we, we take communion every single week. It's available here for us uh, every single week to take. Those of you that are here for the first time, and, and maybe it's been a long time since you've taken communion. Maybe you've never taken communion at all. I want you to consider a couple of things, all of us, regardless of whether you've been here every single week or whether today is your first day here or not. Is that as we take communion, I want you to think about something for just a second. How are you responding to Jesus? What is your response to him? Are you worshiping him? Are you chasing after him? Are you pursuing him? Or are you kind of kicking the tires, kind of skeptical? You know, maybe you think that Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you because of your mess. Like Jesus right here said, you know what? I mean, him showing up to the shepherds tells us, I don't care about your mess. Like, I care enough about it that I'm going to die for it and step into it. That's how much I care about it. But I don't care that you're messy because we're all messy. And so to all of us, he says to come. To come. In fact, later on, as Jesus grows up and gets older and begins his ministry, he, he says to some really messed up people, he says to them, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and tired. Anybody weary and tired this season? He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. And so we invite you to come. We're going to take a moment. We're going to pray, and our, our band will come back, and we'll, we'll respond with a, a song. And as that song plays, we just invite you to come and take communion. If you're a follower of Christ, we, we certainly want you to come and take communion. Regardless of whether Rich Church is your home or not, we would love for you to come and take communion with us. If you're not a follower of Christ yet, maybe today is the day that you step into relationship with him. Regardless of your mess, regardless of your past, hear me when I say this, regardless of your present, Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he has given himself up for you to rescue you. Will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much, God, for this time together. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that, that you stepped into the mess for us. God, I am in awe of the fact that you stepped into the mess with us. And God, that you are with us now. Even in the middle of our self-inflicted messes, God, you are there with us. And you are there loving us, full of grace and truth reminding us that you are the Savior of the world, that there is no mess, there is no darkness that you cannot overcome. God, you being the light of the world, you chase away the darkness. You chase away the mess. And so, Father, as we sang earlier, God, we, we lay these down at the feet of, 
at your feet, the foot of the cross. So, Father, fill our hearts with only the joy that you bring. God, remind us that you are the Savior of the world, that nothing or no one else can save us but you. God, as we respond with our hearts, with our words, with our actions in our mind, God, we want to honor you and praise you. If you're here this morning and you have, like that's, Christmas is just a mess. We just invite you to, to leave your mess at the foot of the cross this morning. Just lay it at his feet. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe now is that moment for you that, that you lay that mess for the first time at his feet, that you just cry out to him and you just say, Jesus, save me. Listen, there, there are no hoops for you to jump through. It really is as simple as you just asking Jesus to save you. Maybe you've thought about that before. Maybe you've wrestled with that before. Maybe you've thought, well, man, if I do that, then life will be different. And I'm not going to lie to you, it will be different. And it, it'll be messed up in the best possible way. Because hear me when I say this, when you meet Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes.